Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the first podcast of the year. It is the 10th of January. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne. The year started on a positive tack, despite the rapid spread of Omicron. Apple, already the world's biggest company, even briefly touched a valuation of $3 trillion. But sentiment turned sharply when the minutes of the Fed's December meeting were released. The Nasdaq fell 3.3% on Wednesday. That's the worst day for almost a year. What did the Fed say to spook the markets, Alex? Morning, Lorna. It was a distinctly more hawkish tone from the Fed, and they specifically indicated that interest rates could happen sooner or at a faster pace. What this means is that the acceleration of the withdrawal of the pandemic stimulus bond buying programme could happen sooner than we expect. Implication is that in doing so gives them more flexibility to raise interest rates this year, a view held by all members now to reduce the size of the balance sheet also. Why would that be? The Fed's gradually accepting the case that the inflation picture and the increased discomfort that they have with it isn't this initially firmly held view that it's transitory. And in the long term, this isn't practical or realistic. The changes that they put in place or mentioned this month are about taming this longer set inflation, particularly those as a result of supply chain issues and labour shortages. This has all become a part, as you mentioned, because of the inflation print. The Fed's preferred PCE measure is at a four-decade high in November at 5.7%, with no expectation this comes down significantly in the near future. So this rapid pace of tapering is expected to happen this quarter, and then interest rate hikes three forecasts in the minute for 2022, which could start as early as March. Then we have another three expected in 2023 and then another two in 2024. Obviously, this is all subject to change. It's important to understand, though, that this apparent concern is backed by a decisively held view that the US economy will continue to recover strongly. Yes, but that pace of interest rate rises is particularly upsetting for highly valued tech stocks, as we saw. Also not good, though, for all the bond markets. That's right. The equity valuations look fairly stretched anyway as interest rates increase, particularly in tech, when you couple this also with the picture of the potential fading COVID threat and the picture is much more favourable for cyclical or more reasonably priced value names. So we saw that in the moves that we had. Nasdaq moved in a much more volatile manner than the S&P, which obviously Nasdaq is much more tech orientated. Similar trends that we saw throughout 2021 with the trades seesawing somewhere through the year. But this year, it could be more setting with that inflation picture more cemented. Now, also with this FOMC admittance, could point tech on a more downward note for the rest of the year. Bond markets reflected this interest rate rise expectation also. It makes sense with this move that we saw in equities and the inflation picture that bonds look increasingly unattractive. We saw yields selling off. The two-year moving to its highest level since March 2020 as prices continue to move in the other way. And we saw the 10-year move up to 1.72 from 1.5. The overriding, I guess, concern was that the market seemed surprised by this somewhat. So you can see that the, the minutes were something of a surprise to the market. Not ready for that simultaneous balance sheet roll-off and rate rises. Yes, and it's worth mentioning, it's not just in the US. The yield on the German Bund, the 10-year, which has been negative for pretty well three years, is almost back up to zero. Did the Fed have any comments about the Omicron variant, though? They did. The Fed was pretty confident on the recovery post-Omicron. I guess that's part of the caveat of all these potential headwinds that we've mentioned. 
If we look through the big building blocks of that persistent inflation that I mentioned, they are, as I said, supply chain bottlenecks and labour shortages, both of which are going to be exacerbated by the COVID threat. And they don't look set to change anytime soon with the current skyrocketing rates, but obviously subject to change. The impact is visible in a lot of the data that we saw. So the ISM non-manufacturing data we had last week fell way short of expectations, but it's similarly volatile elsewhere in data around the world, which we could say is patchy at best. And we then had the US non-farm payrolls for December on Friday. How did they match up to expectations? They were, I guess, expectedly disappointing. Fairly average 400k forecast with the number coming in at 199k. We're also seeing an increase in wages, so 0.6 from 0.5 expected, as firms are clearly forced to increase wages to fill vacancies that they have. There are two sides to this story, however, with potentially uh, carries more weight with the hawkish FOMC minutes. Yes, the number continued to disappoint, but the unemployment number continued to narrow, now below 3.9%, but the market saw it fairly negatively overall. And rising wages and certainly rising wage demands will certainly feed into more persistent inflationary pressures. And in the week ahead, it's the inflation data that's going to dominate the agenda. Which are the numbers you will focus on? It is, Norman, you're right. Given what we've said so far, clearly there's going to be a lot of focus on inflation and there are a lot of prints this week. So the key ones for us, I guess, are the US, China and Europe, all of which are out throughout the week, which on the whole, I would say, are looking for a little bit of pullback in inflation. So there's the obvious potential that that disappoints. But on the whole, they could be more steady and we could see a higher level than expectations are priced in for. Yes, we'll look out for those numbers. But in the meantime, thank you, Alex, very much indeed. Thank you, Norman.